Ryan, good morning. Good morning, James. How are you? I'm doing really good. All right. Well, I think we're uh, fully into the spring season, and this will be the last time this sport coat comes out. <laughs> right. More of a winter weather deal. So, uh, you know, those of you in the Midwest tuning in, you know what I'm talking yeah. about. No more white pants, or no. when's that start? Well, no, we, I guess that's like a memorial thing, <laughs> yeah, right? Something. I don't yeah, know. but all right, I'll leave those in the closet. <laughs> that's um, right. So. Well, speaking of spring, yep. looking at March. Oh my gosh, yes. It's, uh was an interesting March. Yep. You know, anybody out looking at the headlines probably knows what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, you know, you look at the markets, though, what a tremendous move uh, we, we did see. A lot of volatility, but mm -hmm. hey, we're battle-hardened uh, veterans with volatility up and down, sideways, left, right, everywhere you want to go. But in the month of March, we actually saw positive traction across asset classes. So we had the S&P 500, top 500 companies in the U.S. by market cap, um, up 3.67% in the month of March. So that was, uh, it was a robust move. And considering our, all the headlines, yeah. really kind of shocking. But we'll talk more about that as we get a little deeper into the show today. Uh, bonds did not disappoint either, 2.54%. Uh, positive move in the aggregate bond index. You're talking about a diversified basket of bonds. Now remember, bonds are when we're lending money to entities. They pay us interest, give us our money back at the end of the agreed upon time period. Stocks are where we are actually an owner. We are an equity owner in whatever business, whatever stock we own. <laughs> it's the two major cornerstones of a portfolio. And certainly we satellite around that, but it's really good to keep an eye on those, especially in such volatile, perhaps emotionally driven market environments. Yeah. And that's kind of what we saw, you know, heading out of February into March, and then kind of just almost looking back at risk evaluation, right. you know, two big themes that we took out of March was both inflation and banks. And I guess let's start with the banks. Yeah. You know, what happened? Right. That's, that's big. And advanced capital sent out our note right after uh, Silicon Valley mm -hmm. Bank uh, collapsed and, you know, went into receivership, I guess you could say. It's, it's, Time and time again, when a, when a bank or an institution is going to fail or it's perceived that they might, right. it always happens on a Friday. That's and right. that gives the federal authorities the ability to figure out what they're doing over the weekend. Luckily, by Sunday, we had the bank term lending um, program set up by our Federal Reserve to kind of backstop the banking industry. Yeah. That allowed where you you weren't going to see depositors lose, and that's really important for society mm -hmm. that our bank deposits are safe um, and backed. Now you could say, well, yeah, but the FDIC. Well, okay, there's maybe a conversation we could have about where does that line start and stop. But the bottom line is, we would have been in a really different environment had that facility not been created by the Fed, and that again it allowed the equity shareholders to, and quite frankly, the bondholders in. Yeah. Silicon Valley Bank mm -hmm. cleaned out. So, I mean, it's not that shareholders got a bailout, but depositors definitely could feel more confident um, as we jumped into that next week, understanding what was going on. So is the question kind of what happened? Yeah. Is that what we want to, you know, talk you know, about? So it's good that the Fed was able to step in and you talked about the weekend. You know, it also gives clients <laughs> time to let it yeah. fester, right? Well, and look, you and I, we were managing money yep. through the great financial crisis. Right. So we're, we're forged in the fire. We understand how yep. these things work. So, you know, it was just putting on the playbook from back then. And, and the Fed was able to step in, but what were the mechanics of that created that yeah, need? Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Great question. Yeah. And this is something recognized. Right now, the regional banks are the ones in focus. Mm -hmm. 
The regional banks, though, it's this is not a problem just specific to them. Pension funds have this problem. Larger banks have this problem. Insurance companies have this problem. And how much of a problem is it? Well, I don't know. Maybe you can be the judge. Right. Here's what it is. When you put money, and let's just take the banks because it's the most straightforward example. When mm -hmm. you take $1,000 to the bank, you put it in with them, you expect to get a rate of interest on that. Well, what the bank's going to do is take $200 of your $1,000, put it in the vault. It's not doing anything. It's sitting in the vault. Then they're going to take $800 and go do some safe, productive things. <laughs> safe, safe, right? Right. Okay. So maybe that's buying a, a treasury bond or a treasury bill. Let's just say that it's a treasury bill and let's just say that it mature, matures two years out. $800 goes into that. Mm -hmm. All right. We got to wait two years until we get our money back. Remember, that's what a bond is. And we're going to make, I don't know, let's just say 2% on that along the way. Um, and that would have been consistent with where rates were when a lot of these banks' portfolios got set up. Here's the thing about it. You could argue that because you have a maturity date, you could just sit and put on your balance sheet that this is worth $800 until it matures, and then you got the interest and all that stuff. The problem is mark-to-market accounting which was born out of the great financial crisis, Dodd-Frank um, you know, measurements that went through Congress. Mm -hmm. Basically, every day I have to mark this security to market, even if I didn't plan on selling it. Right. So the problem is when interest rates go up, the, the value, the mark to market of this basket goes down. The mark to market goes down. The thing is, the bank never intended to sell that into the market. It wasn't the plan. They were just it wasn't the plan. generating some so, interest. So before the great financial crisis, we, it would have lived on the book as it's $800 investment and I just get the interest and that's fine. But because of what happened in the great financial crisis, we now have to mark to market these books um, that, that live in the financial institutions. It's all fine until you want your $1,000 back. Mm -hmm. Because remember, there's only 200 waiting in the vault for you. Now we do have to get into this book. And how well a bank manages that, how much, maybe you left 500 in the vault. and did. That's really what's driving this environment. So it's not necessarily a liquidity issue. It's a liquidity timing issue. Mm -hmm. It's a liquidity timing issue. It's fine. But the problem is the minute that you show up for your $1,000 and then there's a line out the bank, well, right. that's where all of a sudden, okay, I guess I've got to liquidate this entire book and right. come up with. That's in a nutshell what's happening right and now. And then the uniqueness of the banks during that week, you know, is who their depositors were, how much risk and unsecured risk they were taking. Yeah. Social media exactly played a right. role. Um, there was kind of this, you know, think about these folks. They, you know, when you look at Silicon Valley Bank, they are the tech industry. Yeah. So my goodness, go figure. So they, they pay attention to social media. So yeah. they create this, uh, this issue. But the bottom line is we've got the infrastructure in place now to handle. And what the, the uh, bank term lending program is, mm -hmm. instead of liquidating this, if you want your $1,000, the bank goes to the Fed and says, yeah, I want to borrow some money. I've got to handle this. Right. And then you're allowed to get to your uh, maturity destination yeah. and we're okay. Yeah. So uh, that, that was really good. That action was taken. And what I've seen in the many years that I've been doing this, in the many years that I've been studying the financial and capital markets, we're actually learning from history. Rarely do you see that take place. Right. 
What if I were to tell you the Great Depression really only needed to be a recession, but they raised interest rates trying to keep the banks capitalized? I mean, and then the domino kind of, we learned from that. Right. We learned from the great financial crisis. So anyway, the Fed action makes sense, and it allows them to really continue on that inflation fight, yeah. which has been plaguing us for the better part of a year. year. So kind of staying to those banks, you know, we know what happened. We know what we tried to do to, you know, create that liquidity. What do we think still there? Well, these books of business. Yeah. And so everything's now when you look, though, remember in that basket that the bank is managing, mm -hmm. there's maturities that are stacked all along right. the way. They're so right. every day that passes by, they're getting more and more liquid and this will burn off right. over time. And by the way, they're already thinking about this issue. Hopefully the, the um, individuals that have created the problem have been reprimanded or you know, at least <laughs> right. learn from their mistake, right? Yeah. But it, so again, in this, you might see this accounting issue crop up in other industries, but recognize our Fed is committed to fighting it. And it really is an issue right now of liquidity timing, not liquidity in general. Yeah. So if we change gears and we look at inflation, yeah, right. And we think that maybe the raising rates and inflation had a little bit to do with the bank stuff, but do we think that we're still going to be combating inflation with raising rates? Do you think the bank situation that happened in March, yeah. do you think it might change the Fed's view? Do you think it might change the our perspective on inflation? Or do you think it could be a head fake? Yeah. It certainly has changed the Fed's view and put them in a more cautious stance because one of the things that the Fed is trying to do is slow the economy down mm -hmm. to slow inflation down. And we've talked about that you know, ad nauseum, I, I won't do it again. But again, the Fed is trying to do this through raising interest rates. Well, what if the bank just, banks just said, ah, we're just not gonna lend as aggressively right now. We gotta keep an eye on this problem. The Fed is saying, well, that right there would contract things mm -hmm. from an economic standpoint. So maybe that helps with that inflation fight and we can be a little bit more open-minded on those interest rate increases. You know, but I will say this, I was so curious to hang off of Jay Powell's every word when he raised rates in the month of March, another quarter uh, percent. Mm -hmm. And then the press conference that followed, he addressed, addressed this banking issue. But remember the program that the Fed installed, that then takes kind of the logistical issues of liquidity off the table, because right. it'll be, it'll happen. How much do the banks tighten up from a lending uh, perspective? Well, a lot of that will be from a regulatory perspective. What changes? Mm -hmm. what, what do we place upon the banking sector to, again, slow that down? So there is this cross current right now. And there is this handoff. If banks tighten up more, the Fed can do less. If the banks really don't tighten, the Fed has to keep on it. Yeah. But the bottom line is inflation. I, they consistently say inflation is far above our 2% target. So there's more work to be done. Now, they might pump the brakes for a moment, and it might be wise to do that and just continue to not aggressively address the inflationary environment just because of what's happening with the sorting out yeah. of this banking issue. Right. Yeah. So one perspective of inflation and how it affects different things we've talked about in the past, but I guess, how do we think it's affecting the, the U.S. dollar? Because I know that a lot of clients have seen that in the news. I've had you yeah. know people asking questions about yeah. that. Yeah. The headlines. Well, so inflation, 
quite frankly, the gallon of gas really did not get more expensive. It's just it takes more dollars to buy buy it. it. So really, did the dollar get weaker? Mm -hmm. And then you've got a lot of these geopolitical headlines that, you know, if if countries are no longer settling contracts in U.S. dollars, well, that relieves demand for the U.S. dollar. You might see in the headlines that, uh, you know, Saudi Arabia, China, India, uh, Brazil, some of the obviously Russia, um, Mm -hmm. you know, are, are looking at other avenues. And so what does that do to the U.S. dollar? How, you know, how does that impact things? You've started to see precious metals go on a little bit of a tear, and I think that's catching the eye of everyone. But, you know, it seems like a crowded trade at the moment. Right. It seems like the U.S. dollar is uh, the cleanest shirt and the dirty clothes hamper. <laughs> um, when it comes to we've, – we've heard these headlines many times in the past. I know. And, it, and really the U.S. dollar has not been totally replaced. But – Weakness in the U.S. dollar, whether it's from truly just too many dollars because we're printing them as a a country or whether it's because there's lack of demand due to foreign settlements, one way or the other, it'll create a problem for the Fed. Now, the the beauty of us here in the United States of America, we spend dollars. So we're kind of like we're in a way it's less impactful to you. But you do need to think about it. You've got to be on top of it. You that's why, and we are. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, one of, the, one of the ways that you hedge against inflation, one of the best ways, in my opinion, own stocks. Mm-hmm. Well, think about it like this. If the dollar were having an issue, okay, well, then I don't want to just sit on a bunch of dollars. Well, right. You own businesses yes. when you own a portfolio. And these businesses have leadership teams, earnings, uh, dividends, all of these things where you know, quite frankly, precious metals, gold, silver, that's fine. It has been a effective hedge, but it sits and shines and you're hoping somebody comes along and is compelled to pay more than you did for it, but it doesn't have an earning surprise. It doesn't have a dividend. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not saying there isn't a place for that because we actually have held, been holding some, some gold exposure, right. uh, but that's, that's what's going on with the U.S. dollar. So I would be uh, cautious to get too tactical with it. Understand, we're going to spend U.S. dollars walking around here in the United States of America. So So the last kind of touching point on inflation is what do we think maybe the Fed's going to do heading into April? Yeah. Where's that crystal ball, right? Yeah, right. You got a mic. You got a crystal ball over there. So we're always looking at the the odds and where are the futures market positioning interest rates. And the, the futures market still thinks that uh, we're going to see another quarter percent Mm -hmm. interest rate increase and it'll be in the month of may um and then it's just the jobs market is very strong you're still seeing again these these higher prices for things there's still demand so uh, i think the fed feels as if their job is uh is is not yet over over so as we look ahead to april earnings season some of the things that might come out bingo Bingo. That's it. What matters right now to us to really see if this move higher, think about how far we've come off the bottom. (laughs) Right. So if this move higher is real, we need earnings to back it up. That idea of when you buy stocks, you own a business. Well, imagine if I walk into a business, tell the person I want to buy it, the owner is going to say, well, how much are you going to give for me? Give for the business. If I'm a smart individual, I'll say, well, how profitable is your business? Yeah. If it's wildly profitable, I'll give you a lot of money for it if you're breaking even. So that's why earnings matter so much to where these valuations are in the market. Mm-hmm. And guess what? We're going to see. Well, we're going to see very the shortly. Report cards coming out. It is. Yeah. It is. And uh, it's, it's definitely. Uh, 
choppy environment. Yeah, and as so. they come out, we'll be on top of it. Yeah, you know it. We'll stay on top of everyone's information, and we'll go from there. We'll see you next month. All right. Ryan, thank you. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thank you.